Alright guys, welcome back. Uh, this is And Then There Was Corn. And, and Then There Was Corn! Yes. <laughs> Nailed it! So, last week we went over Old Forester Signature 100 and Brooklyn Summer Ale. It's like a lifetime ago. It really does. And that was a week after, like, uh, basically Burger Hell Week here. Yeah. Um, so we were all real tired. You know, probably still not sober from the days before. No. Um, but it, I think, I think it went well. I think we're, uh, you know, we're doing some more organization now. I think it's going to be a little bit, uh, a little more streamlined. Streamlined here. Um, but this is our third podcast. Third so, podcast. Oh yeah, we're 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 doing it. We're actually recording things, and we've done it on the third time now. Yeah, committing to something like this is a lot for us. That's unusual. Yeah, it's very unusual. Commitment level, man. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> Mama didn't raise no committer. <laughs> <laughs> I was taught to quit. <laughs> All right. Any, yep. All right, so uh, as we said at the end of the week last week, we are going over 1792 Small Batch mm-hmm. with Little King's Cream Ale. Um I, you know, the, I never ran into Little Kings until I met Brian. Yeah. So this is kind of the champagne velvet of Kevin. Brian yeah. likes introducing people to weird beers. Yep. Almost uh, a daily basis. Yeah. Not untrue. Do what I do for a reason. So uh, I was really surprised. I, as you guys have mentioned, I mentioned before in the podcast, I used to work at Pinton Union, which was more of a beer-heavy bar than Kalen's, which is where we work now. And there was a guy there who ran a beer blog. His name Roger Baylor. He's basically like a central hub of beer knowledge and socialist information. He's amazing. Oh my God. Uh, so he would bring in Little Kings, and I just thought that they were adorable and hilarious because they're served in this green little seven ounce bottle with a twist top on it. And for like two weeks of Pints and Union being open, no one ever asked for the Little Kings, which is what I expected to happen. And then all of a sudden, some guy is like, hey, let me get one of those Little Kings. And as I'm opening this beer for this guy that I'm almost like, are you sure you want this beer? Because it's really like not even a full beer. Immediately, like five people around him are like, oh my God, you guys have Little Kings? I want one of those. So an appropriate uh, salesman hat that we wear as bartenders, I wanted to make this a part of our catalog knowing that there's just this nostalgic affection to this beer and that you don't see, or I have personally never seen in any other beer. Well, in beer in general, mm-hmm. too. But yes, I, I know what you're saying. Because people do, they have that nostalgic moment. I have Stroh's, yeah. High Life MDD. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. my dad's beer, you know. Like, he might have had, like, Fall City or whatever. But this one, like you said, it's a lot of those college moments. Yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm going to drink this because I got really toasted in college drinking 7-ounce beers and drinking 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And and what I was seeing is that no one was drinking the beer for the sake of having the beer. Like, it wasn't about the flavor of the beer. It was just this, like, hilariously adorable little bottle. And I actually really, really enjoyed the flavor of Cream Ale of uh, Little Kings, which is why I wanted to make this a part of this pairing. I think it onto itself is fantastic as a beer product. Mm -hmm. But we'll get it. We'll get back into the beer. We're going to start with the bourbon and we'll get back there. Yeah. All right. So, like we said, 1792 small batch. The, the question is, what does it mean to be a small batch? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. It's not a shot. We don't need to do that part. Mm. Oh, yeah. So being a small batch, you're, there is no real description or definition yeah. of what it is. Yeah, solid bourbon. Yeah. Um, but basically what you're looking at is like, a company that does like Jim Beam or you know Buffalo Trace or any of those where they do large amounts of the pre- like a, a brand name mm-hmm. and then they have one that they use less barrels for because mm-hmm. um, some some companies are like we won't use more than 10 or 20 and then some use like 200 plus right so I mean the range on that is outrageous mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of like that about it, though, because if you know that it's coming from a large batch or mm-hmm. like a ten barrel batch, like it, that kind of affects that kind of the way you look at it and probably the flavor profile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna have a couple of those, a couple of those. Uh, I'm gonna call it nomenclature, just different terms uh, in our bourbon talk today that are just real loose. Like there is no concrete 
this has to be what this is. Mm -hmm. This is what you have to be to be called this. There's no written Yeah, there's no written rule, anything like that. It's just sort of like how you market it with some of them and how the public receives it. Mm. Do we know who did the first small batch? I'm pretty sure you do. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That is true. Rhetorical questions. Uh, No, Booker, no. So he was the first one. And really what he was doing, he was just like doing a small bit, blending it together because he liked those and then would bring it to parties. Mm -hmm. And then at those parties, people were drinking this stuff and it's way more abrasive and oaky and rich than anything else people were putting on the market. So eventually he marketed it as a small batch. Mm -hmm. Now Booker's is barrel straight, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, Which means... Which means that it literally is dumped from the barrel and there is no water added. Uh, So there's no adjusting anything. Um, And this is why it's never the same either. Like you'll get like a 124 and a 130 and a, you know, 120 and, you know, proof. Um, But... I thought it was percent. This is 124% alcohol. I don't like drinking moonshine ever clear. Um, Actually, I do, but still. (laughs) I'm already blacking out. Um, But, so, like, he kind of started that trend on the market to market things as a higher quality. Um, And that's something that was really different and new back then because everybody just kind of made bourbons bourbons weren't known as this high-end spirit under the obligation of small batch yes yes and but then you have small batches and all that and all of a sudden yeah under that obligation you're you're looking at saying okay well this has got to be better mm-hmm. you know if i'm going to do this large product and large volume and i'm doing this in smaller volume it better taste better because i'm going to charge 10 15 dollars yeah. a bottle mm-hmm. uh which this one runs just under 30 i believe mm-hmm. um the 1792 because yeah we what we pay i add roughly five to ten dollars on yeah um so we you're sitting at roughly thirty dollars for this some places at large places like total wine and stuff like that you might find it closer to what we pay for it mm-hmm. just because they can buy in such bulk like a lot of places you find it almost closer to 40. uh d- depending well if you get yeah. 750 it's not that well i guess because they do the one liter and the 175s yeah. and all that which i love their bottle and the 175 it is wonderful cool looking i mean even this bottle you all can't see it but it's a gorgeous like sort of oblong thin from front to back bottle that like i don't know i've got one uh, i'm pretty sure my girlfriend has one an empty one with a candle in it sitting somewhere in our house very like old school decanter yeah it's like a decanter decanter, it's like you took an egg flattened it and chopped the top and bottom off yeah Mm -hmm. Um, which if i mean it's difficult to do that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) nice maroon background for the Uh, color choice a really hard yeah. bottle to read in low light because it's gold lettering on a dark red background. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one of the things I think is cool, and, you know, I think with the small batch conversation, uh, as loose of a term as it is, and our awareness of what we see these distillers doing, there's not a lot of manipulation on it. If you taste a small batch product next to the streamlined product or the flagship product, it is generally going to be older. And it's going to be more complex. Mm-hmm. So you don't really see a lot of people reaching for that just for the sake of marketing and not being true onto it. Correct. And, you know, for me, I, I kind of always had this, like, I was a little underwhelmed with 1792 because they're owned by Barton. And there's mm-hmm. just such a huge separation in what this distillery is known for. And it's almost like this has become their mm-hmm. flagship because yeah. there's so much <clears throat> between... Sorry, but the quality of just regular Barton and this product right here. Huge difference. But I thought if anybody was manipulating that word, that it was them, you know. That that's almost become their flagship because it's so much better. Their their distillery is now 1792 Barton Distillery. So the fact that, so adding, starting to add a little bit of history here, this bourbon has only been around since 2002. So, I mean... Yeah. The Ridge, uh, the, the 1792 itself has only been around since 2002. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was marketed as higher quality. Um, with the term they used was super premium. Um, you know, you're, you're looking at a flavor difference as well as, you know, price difference as in also quality. And that quality for me actually matches up with this price point, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is rare 
because this one like it has these wonderful toasted notes that light like uh, under sugary caramel like it's it's a solid one and like I will always have one of these bottles at my home bar uh, so you know in 2002 and now you're they're having different versions like they're foolproof and stuff when you know uh, world whiskey awards and things like that I mean they're doing something right and you know they they're expanding that from small batch to all right now we have a sweet wheat a foolproof a single barrel which a single barrel is literally just liquid from one barrel dumped out and bottled up yeah, no matter how much it is yeah, there's, you know, it, it, it could be watered down to mm -hmm. their proof, uh, but they do make single barrel barrel proofs as well. Um, but like this one has also gone through a lot since it started mm -hmm. as well. Um, it used to be eight years old. It yeah. used to say it on the label, eight years old. And I think in 2014, they... 13. 13. 13. Winter of 2013. They removed that, and now it's just no age statement. But also, too, it initially started as Ridgewood Reserve. Ridgemont. Ridge Ridgewood. Oh, Ridge yes, it was Ridgewood. Ridge yeah. And then Brown oh. Foreman, we talked about last week with Old Forester, actually sued them because it was too close to Wood, uh, Woodford Reserve. Yeah. They had the Ridgewood and then the Reserve. They And then a federal judge actually like handed Brown yeah. Foreman the lawsuit. They actually won and had to change it. So yeah. it, it was so. also a 1792 small batch, also known as uh, Ridgewood Reserve 1792, and then 1792 Ridgemont Reserve. Okay, so I was I wasn't crazy with no, the you weren't crazy. Moment. There was just another name, and if you like look it up, the pictures of that bottle and the labeling, it's like I don't know what fever dream you had going on when you decided this is how you were gonna like size out the font on your bottles. It looks insane. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't look normal. I love it. I want one. All right, so also talking about this seventeen ninety two. If you're not from Kentucky, this is not even gonna be remotely like a thing in your information catalog. Yeah. This is the year that uh, Kentucky became a state, which I think that's really cool that uh, <laughs> that this is like named on a bottle mm -hmm. because, you know, it's like, hey, you're already you're part of history because the original distiller that like handed over what became Barton's was really into history and memorabilia yeah. of bourbon yeah. in itself. And they were the first ones to give tours in like 1954. I mean... And most people thought the tour only consisted of like the memorabilia paraphernalia like yeah, store instead of the distillery. Right. How we do this? Exactly. But it became that because people, you know, you go in and see all these little trinkets and like things over time, but then you walk into the distillery and see this, you know, giant column still, or pot stills or whatever they were using at the time. I mean, they were probably still using column stills because it can run twenty four hours. Yeah. Uh, for a column still, it is multiple plates with holes in it and the steam yeah and the steam runs up and the cooks the the, the work coming down um but where a pot still you just do everything in it and then it just comes out the top it looks just like the willet pot still bottle yeah. and all that so stuff. when you so the different kinds of um, we'll get into stills and everything later but just for a baseline of knowledge yeah a column still generally has like anywhere between eight 24, sometimes up to like 30-something uh, charcoal plates that filter the alcohol through, and then it recondensates at the top and then drains out, and then you get what you're going to put into barrels. Yeah. And a pot still is just like, hey, here's a pot with a bunch of corn mash in it. I'm going to get all this distilling, and then it just goes straight into what you're going to put a, into a barrel. A cooling process. Yeah, it doesn't, get, goes into it the doesn't get filtered through the uh, charcoal like the uh, columns. Right. So the condensation which, still happens. Which, yeah, condensation which still happens. Using, That's using, I, I do want to add this in just because it's something that, as a bartender, perturbs me. Mm -hmm. um, the whole gluten-free thing. Oh, FDA God, yeah. has now approved it. Anything distilled is gluten-free. Was that your Instagram post that I saw? Uh, no, I think that was one of our friends, though, that we both, because yeah, I both, I read through that, yeah. yeah. That um, so if you have a gluten intolerance, celiac, any of that stuff, um, most part, like, you're not going to have any reaction. If you're having, yeah, if you're going to, if you're having a reaction, it's probably from something else, yeah. not the, not gluten, because those particles do not fit through the, the column still plates and the distilling process, plus they're doing it more than once, you know, so you're, you're going to see that. Yeah. All right. So back into the history a little bit, though. Um, yeah, buildings fall down. Yeah, buildings <laughs> fall down, and so so people don't understand how dangerous it is to to house these barrels. And a lot so, of rickhouses burn down. Right. A lot, yeah. So they're they're fifty three gallon barrels 
that they're rolling through a building that some of them were built in the you know the early you know 1900s you know and so the, they're not always the most stable now they refurbish them and all that but at one point uh, after Sazerac bought uh, Barton Distillery as a like a parent company yeah. they started doing a little bit of remodel on one of the warehouses which uh, they had a lot of warehouses because Barton themselves produce a lot of products yeah. but they started it and ignored all these rules and warnings that they were getting from you know basically like OSHA type people the building codes yeah the, yeah and so all of a sudden when they're doing that a building collapses mm -hmm. that holds that's able to hold 20,000 barrels all right that's a lot so if it's each times 53. yeah screw that math <laughs> um but there was only 18 <laughs> oh so there was only 18,000 in there which i don't know of any uh actual uh distilleries that will max out their warehouse yeah that's a dangerous game to play yeah it, i mean one it's of the things ridiculous. i don't understand like i get it history is dope i've always enjoyed history there's a point in high school it's like maybe i'll be a history major in college but i'll never understand people's need to like hold on to yo check out this old building that we still use no Tear it down. That's dangerous. Build yeah. safe. Just do it. Yeah, take pictures of it. Give us a tour. Tear it down. Or, build something Or build safe. something next to it yeah, and then do this as a tour else. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Save the Good base God. maybe. Yeah, that's 53. That's 20,000 yeah. barrels of bourbon. Right. And, and that's a lot. potentially a lot of lives, but no one got hurt. But it was potentially a lot of lives. Just abandon the history, acknowledge it, and yeah. move forward. So right? all that happened on June 26th, or June 22nd, 2018. 9,000 barrels of the spirit were being aged that fell into the structure. So, although two-thirds of the barrels remained intact, that still means you lost a third. But, so, in these warehouses, there's, like, room for spilling. There's, <laughs> there's uh, room for spilling into the basement, so if something like that does happen, it holds some. But, a lot of it did flow into the water that they mm -hmm. use, and mm -hmm. every distillery has a large water source next to it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's pour some more. Yeah, um, more and so they ended up killing like so many fish. Hold oh, on, yeah. I got it right here. Eight hundred to a thousand fish were killed. I would love. They partied though. Oh yeah, yeah those fish are having a great time for the day. And Sazerac, the company itself, actually ignored the fact that this happened for like two weeks. Um, before yeah. they actually went in and started cleaning up after yeah. it. Uh, which, no, that's probably why so many fish died. Because, I mean, obviously, if you're a fisherman, you know that in that small area, there's not 800 to 1,000 fish. Yeah. It's, you know, spread because they roam. You know, that means they're roaming in and out of basically, like, swimming through bourbon yeah. at that point. I don't have yeah. huge water systems in that area either. I mean, you have Salt River Lake right there, Romans Creek. It's basically all feeds off of one river, which is the Salt River Lake. Yeah. Huh. Now, they use limestone water in their making of bourbon, so they're all around some kind of like source of limestone water, yeah. but what a lot of people don't realize is why they're next to the rivers and things is because they actually use that river water to cool all the water that's going back down into the river after using it in the cooling process of making this, so it's like... It's like getting a fish accustomed to the fish tank by putting the bag in the tank. Yeah. No. Woo! But but what it is is they're it's not game affair. they're <laughs> not allowed to put like the the uh, water back into the lake or river or stream yeah. at the temperature they're when they're done with it because it's too hot. Yeah. And they would be cooking the fish down there, so they have to get it back to the temperature. That the, the river was. I mean, after the bourbon spill, putting a bunch of hot water in there, you've got pre-cooked bourbon fish. <laughs> like just throw them on the every grill. Every kid Sear fishing it. in that lake or in that river is having a good time. Oh fish yeah. In a fish oh, in yeah. a barrel. Just, <laughs> that's such a good name for something. Um, so <laughs> just that was good. Just, I just can't. I'm trying to like regain myself for that one. Uh, so the, so the one thing that they, they did in 1792 is they marketed this as a super premium. And they were yeah. going up against like Woodfords and things of that manner. Which, it's... Knob like, Creeks. Mm, yeah, um, we'll get there. But, the, you know, for you guys, is the word super premium or the term super premium appropriate? Not only for this one, but in general. No. 
I don't think it's appropriate in general at all. Like, if you're... Because it's not... There's no... Yeah. It's like with the small batch. There's no mm -hmm. written what is super premium or what is premium. So it's just marketing. Like, yeah, you can right. call this super premium, or if this bourbon reviewer calls it super premium, there's no litmus test for that. No. It's just good marketing, I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah. It drives me nuts. Like, it's bourbon. Put it in the bottle, put it on the shelf, let people decide, let and then, yeah. yeah. And if they call you super premium, then fine. Mm -hmm. I don't mind the term premium. Premium. Because that's saying, like, okay, yeah, it's got age, some extra years and stuff, but, right. you know... But, that's but at the time, but at the time, you know, a twelve-year-old bourbon was no big deal to find for under forty dollars on a shelf. Elijah Craig. Elijah Craig. Yeah, yeah, no longer has an age statement on it either, and that's a lot of that went away because of the bourbon boom, which right. is a sad and wonderful thing. Because now you're seeing a lot of cool products, new brands, and all yeah, that. That's a lot. But yeah, when the twelve years went away with the super premium uh, justification, what you saw was really fancy bottles wrapped in really nice fabric. Yeah, and you know the fluctuation of years we're talking about here is like ten. Like only so much can happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. The bourbon can only be so good. And I agree with what Kevin said. Like you put a product out there, if it's you know back to what you were saying, if it's this is five of the two hundred barrels that you do, like tell us that story, but don't doll it up for me. Like, I'm don't not buying a Lamborghini here. I, I'm buying a flavor. Exactly. Yes, yes, a peel is something that's like a garnish on the drink. Yeah. Uh, but, like, you know, the peel of the bottle and things like that does matter to a point. Mm -hmm. But I will only buy that bottle once if it's a cool bottle. Yeah. And if I don't like the whiskey, I'm not drinking it again. That's you know like, what I mean? It's like Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Head Vodka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool, cool stuff. <laughs> but buy it once. <laughs> yeah, we... <laughs> And then fill it with Heaven Hill. No, we, uh, oh, we did worse. We did worse. So we did a Halloween menu at Mr. Lee's, and we thought it would be super cool to have that crystal head bottle filled with dry ice and fernet to make a fernet fog. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know what to do with the vodka. So that vodka's just gone. We, we were really like, we need, this, <laughs> we need this empty bottle really bad. So you just dumped it? We yeah, didn't we have did. the time to drink uh, No, we didn't. You could have put it in some, like, you know, core containers or These something. Were These were different times. These were different times. Don't you judge us. We didn't sleep. <laughs> drink absinthe all oh, the time. That's a flagship, yeah. 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 That's, by the way, folks, that is dangerous games. No, Especially like, drinking the Copper and Kings 130 proof. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're going to write good books. No. No, that was, uh, that was my intro to bartending. <laughs> craft bartending. Yeah, same. Because my girlfriend yeah. at the time was like, oh, you're going to go work with uh, the guy who became my mentor, Casey. going to go work with Casey tonight. He's going to try and feed you a lot of absinthe. Don't try and keep up with Casey because you're not there yet, bud. You're not there yet. It's like, all right, whatever. I remember getting to work, and he had a shot poured for me, ready to go, 130 proof, 65% alcohol, absinthe, and that is the, like, the That's last it. real thing I remember about that. Like, yeah. like, I worked an entire shift, had no idea what I, I bet did. you killed it, bud. Oh, I bet I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> he brought me back. I stayed there for a year. So, so <laughs> reeling back into this bourbon, yeah. one of the things, like, you know, I kind of have, like, an age range as a human being for each style whiskey. Mm -hmm. And the one I like to call bourbon is the teenager. Mm -hmm. The reason being, teenager, early 20s. Because it can be kind of refined, it can be smart, it can seem like an old soul, but it is still aggressive, it still like has a lot of flavor left in it, you know, while still being sweet, like without, you know, being like a pure asshole. It hasn't been arrested yet. Right, yeah. It's still working on that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, where scotch is like the, you know, the old uncle or grandpa, you can be aged for four years. Scotch you know. still some time. Irish whiskey's the toddler because it's, <laughs> it's easy going, a lot of fun, yeah, and, but it also can throw up all over you. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I heard that. Uh, but with that, this is why I like bourbon is because it does have so much flavor and aggressiveness while still being the, the sweet, you know, whiskey that it is. Mm. And this one in particular... It's like a toasted barrel bourbon without doing a toasted barrel. Yeah. You know. It does kind of have that taste to it. For me, I get a little bit, which I really appreciate this in a bourbon, and it's not a flavor you get a lot, is like this kind of like smelling pine cone sort of thing, which like takes you to the Kentucky Trail, and I also get a lot of like deep fruit notes in this. 
So it's kind of like to me like a very folly like Kentucky Trail walk, and anytime it's almost like a wine out making obligation to where you take people back to the field. You know, you're right. not running from yeah. the source. Giving a better descriptor than, oh, it tastes like pine cones. Yeah, saying like, oh, it's like no, when they're all getting released, you're walking through things. It tastes like pine cones. No, yes. never chewed on a pine cone. It's Kyler's pine cone liquor. Thought we were having lunch of pine cone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this, you know, the one yeah. thing you're always going to notice in bourbon is just, like, my things are, it's like, how much oak or wood do you mm-hmm. taste? How much caramel? How much vanilla? And how much spice? Now, I say spice, not as in heat, how much it burns you, but as in, yeah. yeah, as in how much, like, um, like, how seasonings, in a sense, you know, your cloves and things yeah. like that, what Baking spice? Mm-hmm. Now, your heat level is a whole different thing, it's like, how hot is it on your tongue? Now, those are the things that I will base all of my tasting things off of, you know. Now, you can go further in, as in the walk through Kentucky and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. But when you're just tasting bourbon, and for the especially when you first get into it, yeah. don't try to over, you know, make it yeah. over complex. Just drink it. Say you like it or not. Yeah. Say, does it have a lot of vanilla? Does it have caramel? Mm-hmm. Does it have a lot of spice? Is yeah. it mellow? Is Every, it, you know? Everyone tastes things differently. Yeah, everyone has a different life experience or something that they did that there's some flavor reminds them of. Mm -hmm. Just why Somali? There's, you know what? We'll get into that later. (laughs) No, but you're right, and that's a cool thing. The fun thing about you know opening this podcast up and these obligations of opening these bottles to everybody is like there is no wrong answer. Uh-uh. Like where I might taste chewing on a pine cone, Chad might get like strong burnt vanilla notes, you know, and yeah. that's fine. Like just be true unto yourself, and if you like it, keep drinking it. And mm-hmm. If you don't, well, we got more yeah. podcasts to go for. You. That's like uh, exactly. the, you know the way I describe Malort. Like you, you like Malort. I love Malort. I hate. I don't Malort. understand what everyone's problem like, with Malort. Is. It it is as if you rubbed a homeless man down <laughs> with grapefruit peels and dry leaves. And then distilled that. See, but that's what's messed up. I, we just got that saltwater grapefruit rum. Yeah. I don't like raw grapefruit, but I love Malort. Oh, God. I've only had it once. I think you might have served it to me. But it was in a late night situation. Oh, no, that was oh. just a bottle I had in my room. Oh, well, that <laughs> hurt. <laughs> they were sitting alone in the candlelight. Yeah. It was right. a beautiful Malort night. I didn't even want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to see this bottle that happens to be in my pocket? Yeah. It's not good. All right. Most so, people hate it. Is that a bottle on your bottle? So, you know, with this, whiskey came after beer. Yeah. Beer is, you know, on the foundation of because, uh, of what we are as human beings in an essence because yeah. we started planting more and we started figuring out how things work and helping make bread and liquid bread, mm-hmm. you know. So getting into that beer moment, they've t- they've tested like the oldest clay pots they can find that have tested positive for like beer yeast strains. That's right. Okay. Uh, the Egyptians would use reed straws to dip down underneath the the stuff. Yeah, use that cold beer because uh-huh. we are still in the hot attic. I was gonna say, don't try and hide that uh, uh, bottle coming out of that uh, ice moment. Oh my god, it's so hot up here. I'm dripping. But Egyptians sweat. would take giant reed straws to get past the the. The, all the particles so they could drink the beer but back then it was like two three percent at the yeah. most mm. and it was real thick and a lot less flavor and it literally probably tasted like drinking sour bread yeah, yeah. uh where now we're, like we're going over it as if you know it's a wine you know it's what's this beer to you what hops are you using is it a cream ale is it a colch is yeah. it mm-hmm. a pilsner a lager is it you know uh, you know should i should i rub myself on the chest as you pour this beer. It's like the novelty is going to the roof right now. We yeah, have a beer yeah. that we pour on tap that one of the hops doesn't even have a name yet. It's yeah. just called the New Zealand Experimental Hop. Yep. Yeah. And in 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 that sense that's where, you know, in hops that gets like wine. Uh your grapes you know with areas, wine. Different, different areas, different elevations, different, yeah. you know, humidity levels and like, you can't get them close to each other. Oops, I got them close to each other. Now there's a hybrid, you know, like, and hops is actually in a cousin to marijuana. Yeah. So yeah. in that sense, you know, you treat it that same way. It just comes more like in this, like, bulb-like form rather than, like, a bud. Yeah. Um, which is not going to feel something. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All right, about. so we're I've drinking Little King's Cream Ale. Before. I'm going to pop yeah, by here. you'll notice... We don't, yep. We don't have our good, you can do this one too, if you want to try and do a better one. 
Yeah. Go for it. There it is. And I hit myself in the yeah. forehead. So we don't have our good uh, can opening crack tonight. Because which means we're drinking from bottles. That's which right. Which is weird. Yeah. And I thought we only drink from cans. The only, I mean, I generally... Yes. Is there cans or baby bottles? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, you know what? I'll take that. <laughs> so you only drink High Life Ponies and Little Kings, right? We <laughs> <laughs> should hang out. <laughs> so I like this. Be, uh, this is a cool point for me. that It comes in a green bottle. Mm-hmm. So it's not a clear bottle. It's not a dark bottle. And what this was like in that first transition of people recognizing that sunlight actually affected the flavor of the beer and the yeah. lifespan of the beer. So you put it in a darker bottle, and... <laughs> it's and not a magnifying glass, Brian. It, Brian is literally holding the, like the bottle monocle. of beer on his face like a monocle. <laughs> oh, beer monocle, um, that's a good idea. But it is that hot up here. So we are drinking bourbon in hot temperatures and now finally getting to the beer. Oh, ice cold beer. We're ice so happy. Beers. All right, so we're choosing that we are happy, but yeah. we are happy drinking this Little Kings, which is a cream ale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Brian, what does it mean to be a cream ale? Uh, to be a cream ale, much like a colch, what happens is that you are doing lager uh, in process and then you're adding ale yeast strands into that situation. So the end result sits somewhere between a lager and ale. It's like a weird hybrid, almost like a double bock or a colch themselves. But what happens with cream ale is that in order to get that like uh, cornflakes, like crispy, like uh, creaminess you get or that almost what I think they use in this one is rice because I almost get like this horchata kind of milkiness going on instead of like a milk stout where they're actually adding in you always know that one lactose milk sugar yes Uh, they're just adding in uh, grains and hops that would give off more of that experience corn and rice so because it is more uh, there's it's somewhere between the lager ale obligations it is higher proof than most loggers, but it goes down real smooth and real easy. 5.5. I actually did not recognize this was 5.5, and I yeah. would not have said that. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, granted, we are all very hot right now, but tell me that was not like the best thing that's happened to you oh, in the yeah. past 30 yeah. minutes. Was oh, yeah. that and drinking it. It is just refreshing, but also it, it like stands up. It's got a nice flavor background to it. I feel like when we have you explain things, like we need to have a translator for everything else, like. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a cream ale. It's a lot like a colch in, in so like, it. So both crossers and cream ales, <laughs> they, uh, they will it will be a lager process, and they will add an ale yeast into it. What's a lager so, process? all right, so here, let, yeah, let me right. go through this real quick. Yeah. All right, so you've got ales, which are top fermenting, cook at higher temperatures, and take less time to make. You're going to notice more fruit notes, more spice notes, more almost wintry flavors mm-hmm. um, and that's where beers officially started in yeah. their process it's like that oops I accidentally made a beer that's an ale yeah. uh, where lager is more intentional it also has a yeast that can stand colder temperatures so it ferments at lower spots in the tank and it takes longer and what it is is those yeasts can now eat more of the sugars and live longer within inside of that tank. Mm-hmm. So you're eating more of those sugars, those flavors are going away, but you're leaving this golden, crisp, more CO2 style mm-hmm. beers. Yeah. And with the cold slash cream ale, you're doing both processes in a sense. You're, you know, you're making an ale and adding some lager yeast and taking a little bit more time, mm-hmm. but then using rice or corn to add that mouthfeel. Yeah. Which is yeah. like the process of alcohol in general is that yeast will eat sugar and then extract ethanol. Mm-hmm. So that's like where the money's happening. And what we're talking about in these tanks is like typically it's environmentally impacted. Like, uh, yeah. you know, uh, colder areas will do certain geographical beers just because that's where the ambient temperature will sit before Coors the light. thermostat. Exactly. Rocky Mountain beers, exactly. baby. But ale, uh, yeast will typically throw more diverse esters and phenols, which yeah. is just more a uh, wild fluctuation in flavors than lagers would. So in yeah. that sense, it's like saying I had some table wine and then I had a big bold French cab mm-hmm. or, you know, and it, it was 90% cab. Like that's going to be different yeah. than the table wine. Even if they used cab uh, in the table wine yeah. is still going to be different. Which is why the ale, you'll see that oatmeal stout, and then you'll see the IPA, and then you'll see the summer pale ale, mm-hmm. where lagers, unless it's like a double bock or something, which is typically because of colder regions, like German or... And using more malts. Exactly. To pick up that. Yeah. 
So it, it also reason being with the colors of the, the lagers and cream ales and colchers and stuff is so when you're making the malts, you're you're roasting them mm-hmm. as a, in a sense like a coffee bean, yeah. um, and you're getting them to certain colors, and those colors and those flavors are imparted onto the beer. Yeah. So these lagers and lighter colored ales are being almost like with a caramelized. Caramel, uh, uh, yeah, it's like a sense. caramel to straw colored uh, malts making the beer. Where if you're doing like a, a stout or porters or things like that, you're using these heavily roasted. This is where you're getting those coffee notes. 90% of the time, there is no coffee in that beer. You're tasting coffee because yeah. you're tasting a grain that has been roasted to high heaven. Mm-hmm. And that has a sugar content. Yes. All right. All right. Now that that's out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So... Um, yeah, the, the, the cream ale's good, though. Yeah, cream, yeah, cream ale's good. And, you know, it's nice to see this pairing of, you know, ethanol does carry through this bourbon. Like, I still can tell. And it honestly is higher proof than most. It's, you know, it sits at 93. So most you'll... 93.7. 93.7? Yeah. Okay. So I can still get that. So it's nice that you have that, like, creamy or chowderness to kind of, like, take that away yeah, and then, longer. like, re bring back all the like fruity vanilla overtones that we're getting in the bourbon honestly i'm not a huge fan of little kings like it's fine mm-hmm. it's fine yeah it's fine it's fine it's but fine it's tolerable yeah it's yeah. tolerable i mean I, I do love the little bottle which i would like to talk about real quick because mm-hmm. i love the little bottle it's oh, adorable yeah. it's like oh, a yeah. baby the the old school like calligraphy handwriting on it yeah, yeah. it's a great bottle. bottle and it was originally like uh, people in Cincinnati, hold on. It was some hotel that's really famous. It was the, nope, yep, hold it on. It was the nope, yep. The Montgomery Inn, which oh. is famous in Cincinnati. They, that's where like the Little King's tiny bottle started happening, because mm. their uh, refrigerator was on the fritz. Yeah. Na 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 and somehow they ended up with this. It doesn't make any sense. So I think they actually danced around in that moment with the na 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 na. They were dancing around figuring out that they had to make little bottles. I'll watch them, man. The reason, the real reason for the little little bottles is they were selling them as like a Boilermaker chaser. Yeah. Like here's your shot of bourbon and your tiny beer because people were sick of paying for. A well, full would be beer, warm beer, like yeah. a, a huge beer that's eventually going to be warm. Yeah. So they drink this tiny little semi-refrigerated little case. And that's why here that's we now do a four-dollar beer and shot special yeah. slash boiler maker, yeah. and it's a Little Kings and a Heaven Hill white label. Yeah. And to be honest, like King of the Hill, King of the Hill. Yeah. And, and to be honest, like it is great. I mean, you you've got a lot of corn going on in the Heaven Hill, and you've got like that corn ricey moment yeah. with the beer. It matches well. Without actually being like too much of each other, it's a little sour. I have personally like been sweet, more socially moment. responsible because of the uh, like now I can not drink a full beer when I have a shot of bourbon. Yeah, which I live like two blocks from where I work. So, which if you've never <laughs> met Kevin and Brian, <laughs> they're, both ex- they're both extremely the skinny, and so obviously yeah. your water retention is not high there. Yeah. So which means you also can get drunk faster. Now as you build oh, yeah, a tolerance, no, I need to pee right now. Yeah, yeah. I get it. You build a tolerance over time, but. You know, I, on the other hand, I'm shorter than them, but I hold more weight. Yeah. And so, like, I can sit here and pound a 12 to 16 ounce beer yeah. with my shots and be fine. Well, but do I prefer that? No, I actually love these little yeah, bottles. Like um, we, can, we can drink most of our friends. Under it, the it, table. It, it's that's also like. As tall, thin people, we can drink most of our friends under the table. But and that's also because you, how often you drink. Exactly. Well, let's not <laughs> talk about that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Hey, you know what? So, Little Kings, they were. <laughs> They were owned by Hootapole. Hootapole. Yeah. Which is Hootie. the Cincy beer. Yeah. yeah so this is created in Cincinnati. And, uh, so it's actually so it's a local also beer. under so the Christian yeah. Moorline brand. So bringing in that super premium name, that uh, that is how they marketed Christian Moorline. Which, what else do they make it on? Uh, I mean, they make they make, they make Hooties. They make Hooties. Hooties, Christian cool. Moorline, and then Little Kings. I don't I think there was another one. Was there? I don't know. That was, no. uh, that was a legit oh, question. No. That wasn't no. a I, I, think, <laughs> I, think that's, I mean, they have different versions of the Huda Pole. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's like yeah. there's like nine. Yeah, there's like, you know, the Amber, the, the, the Hootie Delight. Do they and, make old style? No. Are you sure? That's Chicago beer. Hands down. Okay. Not I like how we both said it and then looked right. at Chad like, Dad? Right. Dad? Did they make old style? Old style, Dad? <laughs> um, 
But no, so this is a Cincinnati, Ohio thing, not not a Chicago thing. Um, now, they so Hootie Pole has like you know Hootie Delight, Hootie yeah. Amber, Hootie Bach, you know all that stuff. But they also created uh, Little Kings, and I really, I really think that was like a cool move on their part because it was, it's not lesser than the other Hootie line, and I mean to be honest, in a sense, it is lesser than the Christian Moore line if you're going by marketing labeling and size and size. <laughs> uh, well, you know what they, they say it's not the fight in the dog. Wait, yeah, it's got. Um, <laughs> But, you know, so you, you, they also were that same thing where, you know, like Barton wanted a super premium brand. They did Christian Moore line, which not a lot of people know about because in the early years, Hootapole did not do the major marketing that Budweiser and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Anheuser-Busch yeah, slash Miller Co. Yeah. yeah, they could have been huge. Uh-huh. And you, you, they could have been right there next to Budweiser. Modelo, Corona. They want to stay like, local heroes, dude. Well, the thing is, it's just that well, in those no formative years. In those sure. national heroes. In, in those eventually. formative years, right after Prohibition, you know, Look at if you one. didn't go hard, if you didn't go super hard in those early years, right after Prohibition, you're not there. Yeah. I mean, Budweiser in the beginning, before Prohibition, this is why there are all the laws there are. Budweiser's would buy a bar for people and say, you can only carry my beer. This is the condition yeah. of me buying this yeah. bar for you. It really is a release of control because you know if you go marketing, if you go global, like how can how can you control every case that in Japan and Egypt? Oh, uh-huh. and once you, you know, go that big, it doesn't matter. Exactly, that no. is but some people, no. some people actually really want to just stay local and turn to the Like, like think BBC. about this: Guinness has one master brewer, right? And every they have a a, um, a brewery here in the United States. But every barrel that's made here um, also <laughs> gets shipped back to the main Guinness in Dublin and checked and verified by the brewmaster and then sent back to us. So now, what's the point of having that brewery Why not other just than fly volume? him back and forth? Oh, that's a good idea. So Ryan just shoved the bourbon <laughs> into the, the ice water, which is a great idea, but yeah. also this is a great way to lose a label. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, we should take that out. It's, um, real, it's real on there. It's not even... It's like, oh, that, yeah, that, okay, we're the, the front yeah. part is like a part of the bottle. Um, but, you know, in that point, yes, I get what you're saying, that like global conglomerate beer, yeah. you know, but this is why, this is the one thing I still respect about Budweiser because they still age for three days in Birchwood. They still do the same process they were doing back then and just doing it on a massive scale. Now, if you want to taste what Budweiser tasted like, in the beginning, there's some beer in St. Louis that starts at the Z, and it was the original. Zima? Group, yes, with Jolly Ranchers only. Um, <laughs> no, but there's like a, some beer that starts at the Z, but it was the original brewer's uh, batch or like recipe, and then then they went huge. He left, and they switched over to what they do now. Huh. So, but ever since that moment, they've been doing it the same way. Same with this companies like this. They do it the same way. If they chose rice or corn, yeah. they've been using that in this process well, since the beginning. And that's why people come back to a beer like Little Kings. Consistency. It, it's consistency and like their their personal history with it. Yeah. Because a lot of people, because Little Kings as a beer came around in the 50s at some point, 53, 57, I don't remember which one. And, and it, uh, <laughs> sorry, we're doing hand signals to each other now. <laughs> And it was, it was a cheap, it turned into a cheap college beer. Yeah. Like, it was, hey, there's a little bit of beer here. Yeah. So, and people came back to it like, oh, yeah, I remember pounding 30 of these and getting hammered it's in It's also this easy to sneak into a dorm room. Yeah, easy to sneak into oh, a yeah. dorm room. Oh, yeah. Pocket size. That to- yeah. yeah, that totally yeah, looks like what I think it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good, just memorable bottle. It is, and it I, I think that. really that, like, for this beer, if you were to put it in a 12-ounce can and be, like, a green can... No one would buy. I, you know, I'd be, like, hit or miss about it. I wouldn't... It's like getting the Mickey's when you go to Third Street Dive in, mm-hmm. in downtown. You know, I take a sip, and I'm immediately like, why did I order that? I don't know. In its style of cream ale, like, way better than Genesee, in my opinion, up okay, there with Braxton. easy killer. Oh yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't like Genesee. Yeah. Now it's not because it tastes that bad; it's because of 
after about three of them, they really taste bad. Oh yeah, they get bad piss. Yeah, it's but it's also it's like the it's more you drink of it. Right. Why would you only? You, that's the cheapest beer on the market in Louisville, basically. And why would you only on. drink one? But it's also smart for them. Like they were barking up a tree, but there's not a lot of competition out there. Yeah. Name an Ameri- yeah. another American cream ale. Name another American. That's pulse. not a local craft. Exactly. Also, yeah, and even then, we're, we're slim picking. You know, well, you got Racks and Storm. To pale ales or IPAs or stouts. You know? Racks and Storm. Yeah. Is the reason I drink cream ales. Yeah, exactly. I remember we were playing disc golf. We would go up to Cincinnati, oh, and God, you know, so Braxton's in Covington, and we would yeah. go to like right there by Newport Aquarium and all that, and drink at this place called Brothers, yeah, super like, corporate and all yeah. that. But they had on tap on sale Braxton's cream ale storm, yeah. and yeah. wonder why? Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it, it's it's just a weird style. It I is. feel like I'm being attacked right. I don't, I don't know why. So <laughs> this is a normal conversation then. It is. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, uh, <laughs> my, my favorite thing. Therapy. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing about Little Kings is their ridiculous website and their insane online presence. Yeah. I love it. Like they're all street art, and I think in the beginning of who they are, they're like. So when people ask you, Beatles or the Stones, do you say the Kinks? Like, that's their really <laughs> That is amazing. It's like, where did this come you from? Really like this beer. Yeah. And for real, like, it's not a predominant style. And they were oh. smart to pick up on that and their identity and just yeah. run with it. Oh, so yeah. From bottling to flavor to um, cultural bottling. cultural presence. Responsibility. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think this beer kills it. Um, so, at this point... Um, we will do some judging. Yeah, let's. We will, I love we, judging. We will put our opinion all over it, like oh, you know, man. smear on a cracker. Reels. <laughs> <laughs> we've had a lot of things like that. Like we've been saying, schlep a lot. Schlep. It's the. Sh- it's, it's nice. It's the S C H. It it adds a nice. Oh, we gotta find a bourbon. 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 We'll make schmear. All right, so. Um, We'll start with Brian this week. I think he's t- typically in the middle here. Yeah. So uh, I'm really impressed by this bourbon. I, as I said, I kind of thought that they were like running with that marketing permission as a small batch and hadn't really given their product a true taste after everything I've known about bourbon, as many bourbons as have tasted. And I really like it. I have to say that out of 10, I'm going to give it like a solid 7.5 for the price range. That's good. Deal. And then the beer, I mean, I feel like I'm a little biased. I love this <laughs> I love this style. Uh, I've been trying to get a cream ale and a Colchin here as long as I've worked here and taken over the bottle and beer program. So it sings a little bit just to like my own affectionate heart, but I'm gonna give that like a solid eight out of ten too for what it is. Really? Absolutely. Eight out of ten. Really? Absolutely eight out of ten. I you know what? That is uncalled for. I'm sorry, you know, and back to that, like, be true to your own palate. Yeah, no, that's fair. You see me drinking this stuff all the time. It's not because I think it tastes gross. (laughs) It's like you and your pickle beer. Like, you had, like, you're... It's a pickle gyoza. I don't care. (laughs) We're not getting into that. No. That's for fun. That's for dang So, uh, (laughs) so you gave that one a a what? Eight out of ten. Eight Eight out of ten. And then a 7.5 on your bourbon. On the bourbon. So, did we do letter grades or number grades last week? Number. Number. So basically, we counted the each individual, yeah. and then and then, but you also give it as a pair. Like, what do you yeah. call it as a pair? Now we don't count that into the total number, but and it's not an added as a pairing. I wish I had. I just wish I ran with the creaminess and was drinking something on the bourbon side, like an overhaul rye. I did that chamomile, which just sit perfectly with this. Uh, I so, actually agree with that. that so the pairing nice. to me, I don't think it's necessarily the super best, but we gave it a shot, and uh, I'm not mad at it. We tried okay. it. All right, so it, on one thing, like a, what do you like say? A, as a pair. As a pair, it's like a berry cobbler. Like, you get that, like, deep fruit note what? onto this, <laughs> it, like... I was like, number that five. is not a number, homie. Berry cobbler, number, I'll give it a berry cobbler out of ten. Now we're talking Brian. Oh man, facetious as all get. No, um. So Kevin, what's your what's your deal on this one? And uh, this bourbon, I'm I'm partial this to. This was your bourbon. I know it was my bourbon. I'm aware. Oh, I remember last week. Don't let anyone tell you I don't. What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, I, I get this bourbon. <coughs> I'm I'm partial to it. I love. I've always loved seventy nine two. I really like their foolproof. I love the brand. I like to do flights of it for people, but. 
in the grand scheme of things, compared to like my 10 out of 10 bourbon and my 1 out of 10 bourbon, I'll put this at a solid 6. Like, it's... And I feel like our rating system is going to really dial in. I feel like the first couple weeks, we may have overrated a little bit. Because we enjoyed a lot. Pe- it's what people do. <laughs> like, it's the first time you're rating something. It's a 15 want, out of 10. Yeah, you yeah. want it to be above average. And I'm going to give so. this a 6 out of 10. All right, so this yeah, is you saying I'm, I'm coming down to realistic numbers. Yeah, realistic, realistic, like... Like 10 being the holy numbers. grail. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah. So I give it a 6. Okay. It's above... It's above... All right, so so what do you think about this beer? Beer, man, I uh, that says a lot, right? Yeah, there. I mean, you can no just words, take, all size. Yeah. I it's not the worst thing I've ever drank. The way he reacted, sure. it was like watching a Billy. I didn't make this beer, dude. This is on you. <laughs> I knew you didn't make it, and I, I mean, I my rating of something, I don't care about your feelings. Uh, it doesn't worried. matter. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brood, I care about him. <laughs> Uh, I'd honestly give Little Kings like a three out of ten. Like it's, it's beer, it's a cream ale and it is unique, but it's never something like I. We work here. I work here. Yeah. So I'm gonna get. I'm gonna drink the King of the Hill. You're it's drink four dollars. It's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah for us. It's four dollars. <laughs> we may make decent money, but we only make so much money. Yeah. Four dollars like, sounds we're, great. We're comfortable. But I'm not a three dollar beer in a shot for me. Like I'm fine with that. That's the only time I'm never going to order this when I see it out, unless I'm trying be like, to. Beat. I want a beer. Yeah, Give unless I like left town, or like went on vacation, saw Little King somewhere, ordered it to take a picture and send to you two. Yeah. And be like, oh hey, look what I'm doing. Like no. Yeah. I'm not somebody gonna... else that works here actually saw it on tap somewhere after we had gotten it, yeah. and was like, oh it's crap. Yeah. Oh it's, it's crap. It's not good. Yeah. I like it. So I'm at a six and a three. I mean, together, they do work... No, I'm not going to do that. As a combination, I give it a four. I wish it right. was, if it was a different beer, I think we could have elevated a little bit. Yeah. But it is what it is. Okay. Um, Chadwick? So, so, by the way, that's not my name. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. How's it going, Kev? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, so, for me... I actually uh, didn't have this particular bourbon for a long time in my early, you know, bartending career. And then when I finally had it, it was an eye-opening experience. And I don't know if it's that experience that kind of, like, sways me to the number I'm about to have. Um, but I even in, like, some high-end bourbons, I'd give this one a solid, like, 7.58. I'm, I, yeah, I'm going to go with 8 on this one. Right. And the, the reason being... Is I also like to as a bartender, you're going like, all right, is this a crowd pleaser rather than like yeah. a, a like, oh no, but only only these type of bourbon drinkers are gonna like this. It's like drinking E. H. Taylor. It's the bourbon drinker's bourbon. You yeah. know what I mean? Like every yeah. bourbon drinker is gonna enjoy this. Yeah. That's how I feel about this, and this is why I give it an eight out of a ten because every time I drink it, it's consistent in its flavor, even being a small batch. So they're probably using a decent amount of barrels to get that, but the heat's not too much. The caramel's not too much. The vanilla's not too much. It's all kind of right there. And then you get this, like, nice toasted oak. It's not like, here's wood and pounding your palate the whole time, uh, which we all know some of those, you know. like That was the last thing I needed to hear. See, it's not Riley Reed bourbon. <laughs> but I, I really enjoy it because it, it's, it's soft while still having a lot going on, especially at its price point. Um, so I'm giving this one an eight. Alright, uh, an eight, so an eight. Now, I want you to keep this in mind for the future bourbons that we do. Yeah, so like, I'm going to remind you of this. Eight. <laughs> I'm going to bring I, this up. And the re- well, this is why I say this, is because it is super balanced. Yeah. Okay, now, now. Yeah, okay, imagine this. You're in a cocktail competition. Mm-hmm. And the judges take your cocktail, walk away, and come back and say, well, it's super balanced. How do you feel about that? Not great. Lackluster. Yeah. Super balance is not a good indicator. Like, give me a strong flavor. So this one reminds me of, like, Evan Williams' single barrel. An actually good Old Forester birthday bourbon. An actually good one. Not like one of the ones where you're like, oh, that's a $75 bottle and I tasted it and it was garbage. Honestly, in our price range of 40 
our, we're more small batch than single barrel. The more that the movement gets away from us, oh, yeah. so single yeah. barrels oh, are going to be sure. hard to reach for at a forty dollar oh yeah cost cap. We will you know? find a couple. We'll find a couple. Oh, but we will. We're, but like, yeah. but this is also what I like about this one. It's yeah. it's approachable and it's good enough and bad enough at the same time where we that conversation can happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. are you sure you want to give that an eight? Yeah. And like I said, the reason I give it an eight is because of not only is it balanced, it's got those toasted notes, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. Yeah. Like. How it's 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 not I burnt the crap out of the wood taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's here is the taste of the wood itself. Like mm-hmm. if I just ran like opened up the middle of an oak tree and started yeah. running it's bourbon that burnt sugar versus you know? vanilla. Yeah. 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 Well you know what it, it it was a RuPaul moment. You backed it and you thought you justified yourself. That fine. Hey, All right. fine. All right. So now you went to the beer. Let's talk about it. Little Kings. Um when you're adding in the appeal of it, the Just price point, no. like that's that's well, one I thing. Mean, it's a personal thing. But that's, you know, because I I do I will choose a beer on price point. Yeah, yeah. like plain and simple. Yeah. Um, this is what why, do they charge this? Huh, two dollars by itself. Two dollars. Yeah. Two dollars by itself. Two dollars with a sh- or four dollars with a shot. Um, in that sense, I do enjoy this beer. Now, unless it's like this kind of temperature. Which is hot, muggy. We're all sweating right now. Oh, I'm dead. I yeah, you're moist. I like this beer because of that. It's it's not overly crisp. It's not like overly dark or blah yeah. blah blah. It's like this nice like, or just drink it. Yeah. Just drink it. But in that sense, I still give it a four. Okay. Um, reason being, I would like to see this with a little bit more carbonation. Okay. If it if it had a little bit more carbonation, I think I would like it more because that like buttery carbonation moment yeah. would really like sing out. But see, that's something in my defense of who chose this beer. The carbonation would be more appropriate in the champagne velvet. This the lack thereof almost t- makes it more appropriate to be a cream ale. I I no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. But this this one is super cream ale. Yeah. Like this okay. is yeah. a lot. Yeah. And and that's why I give it a four. If it was mm-hmm. toned down by like. 15 yeah, percent i'd probably give it a five possibly yeah. a six but so, it, it's a lot so a four and an eight yeah uh what about them together how do you feel about it not a great pair not a great pair not right. a great pair i, I mean yeah. i i give i'd give this one a three out of ten um i'll take we tried um we tried well we failed we failed i, I think i think that Mom. if if yeah. you would have had a little bit less flavor on the beer, in a sense, and yeah. just more CO2 on that, and just, like, pumping through yeah. kind of your, your Bud Light slash, you know, uh, you know something, something like that, though. Now, I'm, I'm using that example where it has a lot of water content, a lot of bubbles, and crisper. I think it would have worked better because the creaminess is overpowering the bourbon, which is weird that the bourbon is getting overpowered by beer, yeah. which is, I see why you were like, you sure this isn't Especially eight? a $2 yeah. beer. Yeah. Um, I I, th- I think it's 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 a three, a three um, as a pairing. All right, so that really brings us to the end of our end of our week here. Our shirts, it is the end of our shirts. <laughs> the shirts about to come off. So uh, next week, so next Monday, this was the twenty fourth. Let's talk about what is it? The, I don't know how many days month months. Add seven. First, I don't know. Is it the first? It's September. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually stepping away for a month from the podcast because I'm doing Sober September, which is good to check yourself as a bartender sometimes. Yeah. And dry yourself out a little bit. You can still hang out with That's us. That's called a high-risk situation in the therapy <laughs> world. And I probably shouldn't do that. So we so will more be having likely, some guests. It'll be the two of you and you'll yeah, have so, some guests. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll try it. I wish you had told me about this before I tried I told to you, get I'm this sorry. lead. <laughs> it's fair. But yeah, so uh, look for us uh, next week. It's going to be me and Chad, hopefully a guest here. Uh, possibly my lady, actually. Uh, possibly Jackie. I love Jackie. We're going to rip on you a lot. I <laughs> really don't know if I want to do this podcast anymore. Yeah. Yeah, like, maybe not that guest. It'll just be, it'll just be me and Jackie. Uh, so to my, uh, next, uh, the next podcast, Chad's got the bourbon. I've got the beer. Chad, what's your bourbon? Man. You know what? I'm going to go with Old Bardstown Bottled and Bond. Mm-hmm. Now, the, my only problem with this is you can only get it in Kentucky. I'm going to be jealous. Should should I should say be. something else? Just because Honestly, you can only get no, it in Kentucky. We're, I mean, we're, do, we're doing this not necessarily for people who no, have good. access yeah, to all these okay. bourbons. Yeah, yeah let's okay. do that. It's a great bourbon. Oh, I love it. Oh, my great God, bourbon. I love that one. 
And I'm gonna choose, it's my beer. So let's do. It's my beer, it's my and it's now or never. Man, I wish I never said that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Think about this real hard because I don't know beer as well as everything else. Guess the grand retitled Pilsner. Ooh. That actually probably is a solid yeah. choice. So that moment when I was talking about this, like yeah. you're gonna have that moment yeah. with, with yeah. the old barge town, yeah. uh, with that bourbon where it's gonna it, it'll possibly be overtaken yeah. by the beer. Oh, where that beer's got. I was gonna go with Citra because it's Brian's bad decision juice, and he's, he's not talking beer. Yeah, so by the way, Citra ass down, yeah. both made by against the grain. Yeah. But yeah, next week, so we've got Old Barstown, Bottled and Bond, and Against the Grains, Retitled Pilsner. I think that's a solid it's choice. It's going to be a good time. And so, so, so how about this? Hold on. Mm, Hold on. Sorry, let's sorry. give, we'll let's give a prejudge, a prejudge on mental thought of what the, like, just the combo. Like, as a combo. What as do you a think? man with zero mental acuity, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to give it, I'm going to prejudge it at... Probably six, probably a little bit better than average, because I know I like that beer and I know I like that bourbon. So it's really just a matter of how well they do together. As as a person who actually does better by just not looking at things and smelling them, I think by the, like the like the scent yeah. memory in my head from those two, I actually think they're going to do really well together. Also, partly because of that thing I was talking about earlier, that carbonation level, but that, that Pilsner has a nice sharp pop on it. All right, so yeah. we'll see next week. Yeah, we'll get to it then. Until then. I'll see you guys in a month. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Awesome yeah. stories. We'll see you. Uh, <laughs> er, Br er, Brian will see you in a month, and until next week, I'm Kevin. I'm Chad. And this has been And Then There Was Corn. And, and Then There Was Corn. corn.